What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Autumn Wind Podcast, here to break down the loss at the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as the abrupt firing of general manager Mike Mayock. Friend of the show and longtime Raider fan DJ Dawson joins the podcast today to break it all down and talk about the offseason for the silver and black. Let's jump right into it here on the Autumn Wind Podcast. All right, everybody. It is a great honor to have friend of the podcast and longtime friend DJ Dawson joining the show to talk Mayock, Bengals loss, and much more. DJ, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Mike? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just watched the last game of Wild Card Weekend, and uh, uh, it was interesting. It looked like a lot of quarterbacks had some trouble this weekend. So, DJ, you were actually at the previous two games. Both of us were in the game Week 18. Against the Chargers, you actually flew out to Cincinnati to see the playoff game. What was that experience like? Oh, man, Cincinnati was amazing, man. The Raider Nation, you know we always travel deep, man. Everybody was in lot one. Uh, I met Raider Nation fans from all over the country that drove in, flew in, uh, from England, all over the country, man. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to the House of Orange in Covington, Kentucky. They hosted the Raider Nation Friday night before the game. Uh, beautiful city, man. I really enjoyed my time in Cincinnati. Everybody was really cool for the most part throughout the weekend. And the game was a great one all the way to the finish. Obviously, it didn't go our way, but uh, that's how it folds sometimes. Great trip. I really enjoyed myself. Shout out Cincinnati. Big shout out Cincinnati. Happy they showed the Raider Nation some love up there in Ohio. It's funny because yesterday we're recording this on a monday night i was planning on just recording a podcast to talk about the bengals game i I didn't anticipate any major fireworks coming out of raider nation (laughs) but i think uh i think ian rapaport adam schefter had other plans so let's just cut right to the tape to the chase dj what is your reaction to mike mayock being fired Well, I think like a lot of Raider fans, I was pretty interested to see what he was going to do this first year being the general manager with no oversight of John Gruden kind of running the show as we all kind of heard inklings of throughout his time there. Um, But the fact that he's gone, you won't get any tears from me. I mean, five out of six first round picks, Arnett, Ruggs, Clellan Farrell, Jonathan Abram, Alex Leatherwood, who... Jury's still out on Alex Leatherwood, but after one year, let's just say it's not going that great thus far. Um, didn't pan out. What other general managers had six first-round picks in the last couple of years and it not worked out in this scenario and they lasted? It just hasn't. Um, and the fact of the matter is, you know, I saw some rumors coming out today that said, oh, the r- rumor was Mayock wanted Devin White and uh, – Gruden and Gunther talked him into going with uh, their guy, Clellan Farrell. If that's the case, that you could so easily be talked into a guy like Clellan Farrell, who was considered a mid to late first round pick um, over a guy like Devin White, who was an instant plug and play guy that quite frankly, the Raiders needed a middle linebacker since shout out our guy, Kirk Morrison and RIP Thomas Howard. Um, So he didn't strike me as the type of guy that, has quite frankly the stones uh to get the job done and uh see ya you know i don't think we will ever truly know 
what conversations went on behind the scenes. If I had to put money on it, my guess is it was Gruden making those first round pick judgments. But nevertheless, that means Mayock is even less qualified to be a GM on his own. I know that's fair, not fair. He was not qualified to be in the position in the first place. I mean, to go straight from NFL Network, not having had any real life experience in an NFL scouting department to being a GM of, of one of the 32 NFL teams, one of the most coveted jobs in sports to be a GM of, of an NFL team. It just didn't yeah. make sense. And as you alluded to, the six first-round picks in three seasons – okay, let's, let's run through them. 2019, three first-round picks, Furl, Jacobs, and Abram. It's not mm. a hot take to say only Jacobs would even remotely be considered for a fifth-year option, and that's not even a slam dunk. You're right about that, man. Jacobs has really, Jacobs really came on over the course of the last month, and I think he's going to get the nod on the on the fifth year option simply because the other two just aren't going to be worth it. It's almost like you got to get one of the three re-signed, and Jacobs has definitely proven himself over the last month, and I think his rookie year as well. Um, we've seen what he has, and thank God he's proven that. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> He looked really good over the course of the last month, so I will give him that. But uh, that's just one piece of it. That's just the first year. Yeah, if if you asked me in November, do you pick up Jacob's fifth-year option, it would have been a hard no. He's definitely made me hesitate on that a little bit. He finished the season strong, and yeah. like you said, kind of looked like his 2019 self, but that's ultimately a decision the next GM is going to have to make. But that's 2019. So one out of the three, you t- totally burned two other first-round picks. 2020 Henry Ruggs listen I'm not gonna I'm not gonna destroy Mayock on on how that situation went down I don't think anyone I mean Ruggs had a clean record up until that crash so not gonna beat Mayock up too much on that one but our Damon Arnett I mean give me a break the guy was just not cut out to be a first-round pick, not cut out to be an NFL player. I don't even want to give him the time of day to have any conversations about him any further than that. On the Henry Rugg side of things, prior to his accident, I think most people in the NFL still would have taken C.D. Lamb over Rettany Ruggs if there was a redraft. Many would have right. even said Jerry Judy. So I liked Ruggs. I like what he could bring to the table, but it was all – it was let's call it what it was. It was a head-scratching pick. So the head scratching continues. That's 2019, 2020. Essentially, at that point, we were one out of five first round picks. NFL teams don't have five first round picks in two seasons. It, it doesn't happen often, right? Then comes 2021. Alex Leatherwood, who first was projected to be a guard, second, nobody projected him to go in the first round, <laughs> gets picked at 17th overall. And then in the press conference or, or the virtual press conference with the media, Mayock even acknowledges that the media is going to classify that as a reach. So he knew, which kind of indicates to me that that was kind of Gruden making that decision. But again, even more reason for Mayock not to be the guy. Absolutely. I think a lot of Raider fans uh, said, you know, oh, well, Mayock was making the first round picks, but he but he did make the Rax Crosby Hunter Renfro picks. I right. think you can't have it both ways. He was right. part of the front office. He didn't. Either stand up for yourself and the decision that you really want, or you're going to fold in the face of adversity when it comes to something like that. And if it went to the, wasn't the picks that he liked and he folded, or it was the picks that he likes and he didn't, it's a double-edged sword that 
I don't really want to see his front, front office leading this franchise. Yeah, the Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro. I mean, don't get me wrong; those are like phenomenal picks. I mean, Crosby, Absolutely. Crosby has the makings of an all. I mean, I guess he's a second team All Pro, so he he's widely respected around the league. That's great, but I would argue that the Renfro and Crosby steals don't outweigh pretty much burning five out of six first round picks in no three way. seasons. I, I think that's terms for grounds for termination, and I think obviously Mark Davis agrees. Yeah, and I mean, if anybody's got to be feeling the heat right now, it's got to be Versace. But, uh, yeah, to stick with Mayock, man, I, I don't know. I just think it's time to move on. And uh, I'm getting a little pretty excited about some of these potential prospects that are coming up. Uh, really, one to be named is Dodds coming from the Colts. Um, I believe it's Ed Dodds. He was with Seattle and was a big part in, you know, formulating that. You know, Bobby Wagner, Russ Wilson, Richard Sherman kind of franchise they built over there. And then the Colts, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson. He's had big, uh, a big say in all both of those franchises builds over the course of the last few years. And um, while I don't as much like the uh, Carson Wentz trade that they did over there in Indianapolis, uh, I'm getting excited to see what we're going to be able to bring in and put together. I just hope that we kind of shy away from the dictatorship that we did with Gruden and uh, just don't give full reign to somebody like Jim Harbaugh, which is a coach I like. Uh, but again, I like the idea of checks and balances with the true general manager. I hope that Mark Davis learns from his past mistakes. And obviously I don't think there's anybody in the world that would disagree with what you just said. Although Jim Harbaugh is obviously the fan favorite. He's more than qualified for the job. He took the four Niners, the three straight, NFC titles, took them to a Super Bowl. He's pretty much been a winner everywhere he's been, and he has a relationship with Davis. It makes sense, right? But what won't make sense is to do the same thing we did with Gruden, where there is no system of checks and balances. So what I'm curious about, and nobody knows the answer to this question, does Davis hire a GM to hire a head coach, or does Davis hire a head coach that picks his GM? So I'll I'll give you a couple examples. Reggie McKenzie – hired Dennis Allen and Jack Del Rio. He let the GM make the picks. Gruden, (laughs) right? Gruden, Davis just picked – Gruden was his guy. Gruden was his guy. Flip side, looking at the 49ers, John Lynch works for Shanahan. I don't think it's the other way around. So there's a lot of different directions this could go, and I don't have a preference how it goes so long as there is a clear timeline – and system of checks and balances because this 10-year deal is just unfathomable and, and it can't happen again. Yeah, I mean, it just is just bad business sense. I don't think in any business is anybody signing 10-year fully guaranteed contracts <laughs> in any industry. Right. Uh, Mark Davis, he should feel a little bit of egg on his face with how this whole thing transpired. And hopefully he humbles himself to an extent and says, let me get some professionals in here who I can lean on not only to do the jobs, but in respect to the decision-making process. I hope he's not conducting these interviews by himself or without counsel. Uh, And I think everybody should get a shot. That includes Driz Passaccia. I saw even Gus Bradley was going to get an interview, which I don't know if that's just a formality or they were really impressed with what he was able to bring to the table. Um, But I think they need to do their due diligence. And, you know, the NFL is a quick trigger league. So some of these candidates could get scooped up pretty quickly. 
But I think as of right now, the Raiders got to be a pretty hot destination for some of these guys looking to take the next step. I think the Raiders are a very attractive destination. I think we have top 10 youngest rosters in the NFL. We just went 10 and 7. And I don't, although I don't want to get into the whole Derek Carr topic today, because that's a whole podcast. That's a whole book. We can write a book about Carr and pros and cons, and, and that's a whole blood, bloodbath in itself. But uh, in theory, you have a quarterback, right? You have a, a great edge rusher, you know, Perriman, uh, Renfro, Colton Miller. Uh, th- there's some pieces, right? There, there's some yeah. very, very good pieces on this roster. So including the, the allure of Vegas and all those things. So I think it is an, an attractive roster, but Let's talk about Rich Basaccia for a second. Uh, I, I think we can all agree he's probably not the favorite. And if I was a betting man, it's not going to be him. But let's say you had to make an argument for Basaccia. Seven and five, right, after he took over for Gruden. Four straight wins to get into the postseason. Uh, and six walk-off wins throughout the season. Right. He's not a scrub. I, I think if I had to play, you know, if I was Rich's agent, Nobody in the world expected Gruden to not finish out that contract or to be to leave midseason. So for him to take over the way he did and to keep things intact with rugs and overcoming that Kansas City blowout and, and rallying the troops, the tip of the cap to Rich Bisaccia. No, Coach Rich Bisaccia, he did some things this year that no Raider fan ever could have thought we were going to do. I mean, there was multiple points in the season where we just were waving the white flag, thought we were dead, and he had these guys coming out and playing with everything they had week in and week out, especially down the stretch. I mean, it just seemed like after Thanksgiving, he had these guys really locked in. And granted, the couple Chiefs games, we just seemed completely unprepared, and he made some blunders, but I really respect what he did this year for this team as a leader of men. Uh, more so than anything. And there's something to be said about that when it comes to football because it's truly not all X's and O's. You need a leader of men out there to uh, run your organization. It's just as the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. No, I mean, that's spot on. I think on the flip side, though, you know, just being completely objective about it, there's obviously the emotional appeal, right? The overcoming the rugs thing and the four straight wins and – all of those things, but you kind of have to remove yourself from it. And I remember, obviously, you and I were both at the game. But I remember walking out of Allegiant Stadium after the Chargers win. It, it was phenomenal. We were all pumped. It was a party. Electric. Electric. I mean, confetti falling down, you know, the music, so on and so forth. But I remember that night, and I'm looking at the stats, and I'm recapping the regular season in my head. We have the, in 2021, not including the playoff game, the 26th-ranked defense, giving up 26 points per game. We have the 18th-ranked offense, scoring 22 points per game. We had the, the worst red zone defense in the league, one of the worst turnover defenses in the league, and we won six games in walk-off fashion. If those six games go the other way, we're looking at a 4-13 and record, right? So yeah. what I'm getting at is as good as a feel, as much of a feel-good story as it was, the way we won in 2021 was not sustainable by any stretch of the imagination, which for me leads me to say, you know what? I appreciate you, Rich, but you're probably not the long-term man for the job. Yeah, it's 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 major 2016 vibes, right? Like John, um, Jack Del Rio, great leader of men, but as far as his coaching ability went, he just wasn't the guy. 
and 2017 the games the chips didn't fall the way they did in 2016 and it was like what happened to this team you know even if we after we added a few pieces that year that we thought were going to make a big impact so I got to agree with you, man. Even after Versace took over, there was not much of an identity with this team. It was really uncertain about which way things were going to go. And I understand all the mistakes, but some of the blunders that just happened over the course of the last couple of games, I think no more exemplified than the last possession, the last four plays of the playoff game on right. Saturday. Right. Um, that summed it up perfectly. There were a lot of blunders, and I tweeted it. The Raiders were not prepared for the game on Sunday, and I'll just fire off a few examples. I mean, I'm not saying this guy is easy to contain, but I did not feel like they had a game plan for Jamar Chase. I mean, consistently lining up against Faison Faison and and Desmond Trufant when we have Casey Hayward and Hobbs, who have been money all year, just doesn't make sense, right? Josh Jacobs on fire absolutely on fire, averaging 6.4 yards per carry through the first three quarters, didn't get a single touch, a single carry in the fourth quarter. What the hell? Inexcusable. Inexcusable. We had six red zone trips, only one touchdown. Marcus Mariota had zero carries in the game. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Foster Moreau blocking Hendrickson one-on-one. And correct me if I'm wrong, Hendrickson's an all-pro. Turns into yeah. a strip sack, a turnover. I mean, what are we doing? The botched kickoff, Peyton Barber. Like, what mm. are you – I mean, just not spiking it on first teams. down. It's special teams. The, the two turnovers. It, I get the euphoria of that Sunday night win against the Chargers, but, man, you've got to pivot fast in the NFL. We, the Raiders, point blank, were not ready. And at the end of the day, that falls on Rich Passaccia. And that was, for me, kind of like the end-all, be-all. Like, you know what? Like, this is not going to be the long-term play. And I think, again, too, Michael, we are saying, like – that game, it's it's really shows how the NFL truly is a game of inches. Because if you watch the breakdown, shout out our guy Brian Baldinger of all these breakdowns. He broke it down fantastically this after this morning, I think. Um, but we won six games this year on game winning plays. If one of those games didn't happen, we wouldn't be in the playoffs. And these guys both getting fired, it would nobody would bat an eye. Right, they did. We did make it into the playoffs. We were once again in the thick of it all the way to the end of the fourth quarter. Those Bengals fans were nervous in Paul Brown Stadium. Let me tell you, we if we might have would have squeezed out that game, which I thought if we scored, we were going to go for two. If we would have squeezed out that game, man, I might not have made it out of, out of there. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Um, but uh, as you said, man, Rich, thank you for your time. You really stepped up for this organization when we need you. I would love it if uh, – Harbaugh would keep you on and, you know, I don't know that would work from a dynamic standpoint because I feel like as a team you need like one true voice in there. But uh, if they could somehow make that work out and keep him on the staff, that'd be great. But from a head coaching standpoint, I don't know. I mean, if there's just I feel like so many other candidates out there and you can't waste time in in the NFL. I think about when the Ravens gave Joe Flacco that contract after he won the Super Bowl, right? And it was like kind of a thank you contract when it's like you're going to be in quarterback purgatory for at least three years as well. You just let this guy's contract right out. Like, what are we going to do? Just give Sachi two years because as a thank you and it just not work out? I don't know. You got to pick up the guy that I think is the best for the job right now. And and that's the thing. 
we've all been critical of Mark Davis, myself included, but I do want to give Davis credit. I think after making the postseason for the first time since 2016, it would have been very easy to be a victim of the moment and say, you know what, let's give Rich a thank you contract, like you just said, and Mm -hmm. let's let Mayock stay. But it's like, you know what, no, Mark Davis made the decision for all the reasons you and I just discussed. This is not the big picture move that's going to get us to the next level. We need to go out and find the guy that did. So for all the all the pitfalls that Mark has had, I think this will ultimately prove to be the right decision. Well, as long as they bring the right guy in, man, that's what it really comes down to. Like, you can get all the kudos in the world for letting people go, but who are you bringing in? That's really going to make or break the future of this organization. And then if they did decide to give Bisaccia a two-year, maybe deep contract like that, I don't even necessarily I say I would hate it. I mean – I do think he's a good leader of men, but would it be my first choice? I have to say no. It's pretty funny how chefs are – I mean, we don't even know who the GM is going to be. We don't know who the head coach is going to be. And then Schefter tweets that – I think it was Schefter that the Raiders have relieved offensive coordinator Greg Olson of his duties. Like, that's that happened fast. Like, Olson is out. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, like I said, man, the end, the red zone woes, just, you know, when you get to the playoffs, your flaws get magnified. And what were our flaws all year? The red zone and the offensive line. And I know we got some phantom calls in that game. I know some things didn't necessarily go our way with the refs, but those two factors reared their head yet again for this team, and it led to our demise. I think – Kind of like you just touched on, in a scenario where we keep, but obviously Olsen's gone. They they announced it. I don't think it would be the end of the world if you keep Asatya, you keep Gus Bradley, and then you bring in a, a a creative, like maybe let's say a quarterbacks coach from one of the high scoring teams yeah. as the OC, right? Like like Green Bay or, I mean, I, I don't know. Even heck, even Cincinnati, you know, the Rams, uh, one of those high profile offenses that wouldn't be the end of the world but let's just say for a second let's say Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan and let's say Basaccia doesn't get the job who would be your preference I know that's a tough question but out of curiosity who would be your guy in that scenario I've been thinking about this a little bit I really would like to see somebody like Byron Leftwich. we need an offensive mind that could come in here and revamp with this vanilla offense has looked like over the course of the last four years somebody that could come in and do something different I think what he's been able to do in part with Arians and Tom over in Tampa has been really really impressive and I think he knows what today's players want to do in their offense as well Um, to put him with somebody like Versace and I think it's a stepping stone it's for somebody they could say look like you're pretty much going to run this I don't want to say Versace is not going to do nothing in respect to the offense, but this is your show. Like, come in and take your reins. You could be the next head coach. I think that's pretty desirable to somebody. Well, I don't think somebody like Byron Leffert is quite yet getting those head coaching interviews. This might be an opportunity where if he could come in and do something with this franchise, he might get that look. I'm actually going to throw a name out there. I know I mentioned it to you the other day that I think would be my preference, and it's Doug Peterson. I, I think I would like someone who's a little more up there in age, like a, a little bit older, just with the Vegas dynamic. I think 
Sure. That's what scares me about like the young up and comer in Vegas. I think we need like a disciplinarian type figure, right? Like a coercive type figure and somebody who has a resume attached to him. I mean, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl four years ago. I mean, that wasn't that long ago at all. No. And my, my brother is an Eagles fan, so I kind of follow them pretty closely. I really think Howie Roseman and the and the front office of the Eagles botched that entire situation with Wentz and the Foles and the drafting Hurts, and it just turned into a mess. I think yeah. Doug Peterson would make sense, and I think if you extended Carr, it's essentially the same concept. The West Coast offense comes from the same school of thought. So there's some continuity there. So that would make sense, but it's pretty much unanimous. Myself, DJ, most of the listeners out there, they want Jim Harbaugh. We want to see those khaki pants inside of the stadium this fall. <laughs> I'm saying it on the podcast. I'm speaking it into existence. If we sign Jimmy H, DJ and I will go to Allegiant Stadium with some khakis on and a sweater yeah. this fall. <laughs> be I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> I mean, it into existence like LeVar Ball. I DJ. Mean, like, like you said, man, Harbaugh's his offense or his – teams have had an identity and a toughness yeah. that the Raiders have been lacking for many moons, my friend. And I think he could bring something to that franchise. He already has the relationship with the Raiders, Mark Davis. It, I don't want to see it seem like a no-brainer, but I heard a coaching staff that comprised of uh, Dodds from the Colts as the GM, Harbaugh's head coach, uh, Pep Hamilton as the O.C., and Fangio is a defensive coordinator. And I was like, if that could be our staff, let's go. I, I would argue that's like the best staff we've had, <laughs> like literally ever, like since since we've been on this earth. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, that's like, that's an all-star staff. I remember Pep Hamilton when he was the OC for, for the Colts when they had Andrew Luck. He was linked we to the Raiders every time there was an opening. Mm-hmm. Like, like he was a hot name. And then Fangio, terrible head coach great defensive coordinator yeah that would be an elite coaching staff and i would be on board that's for sure well we're both going to be along for the ride uh anxiously checking twitter for the updates and uh, we'll be here for the reactions dj always a pleasure for all the people listening out there where can they follow you on social media you can follow me on my Instagram, my page, Equity Boys, as well as my Twitter account. My Twitter handle is at YoungDigital. That's where I post a lot of my Raiders content. And uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate you. DJ, always a pleasure, and we will definitely be in touch. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later, man. That's a wrap. For this week's edition of the Autumn Wind Podcast, I want to give a big shout out to DJ Dawson for joining the show to break down all things silver and black. And I also want to give a shout out to all the listeners out there who've rolled with the Autumn Wind Podcast for this chaotic and wild 2021 season. I will be back with plenty of content to keep you covered throughout the offseason. I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody's well. And until next time, just win, baby.